Hello everyone, wasn't that a great song? And isn't it good to hear kids singing praise to God? As you can imagine, it's a, a really different experience recording everything for our Sunday services. And I want to thank Ian Smith and Andrew Fuller for the incredible amount of work that they put into bringing us our services each week. Having said that, some of us have made one or two bloopers while we've been recording and Ian and Andrew keep telling us that they're saving them to show you all at some stage. However, I have threatened them both with extreme consequences if they even think about showing any of my bloopers. Did you hear that Ian and Andrew? We all make bloopers in our lives, don't we? And today, as we kick off our series on Ordinary People, Extraordinary God, we'll go on a journey with Peter and see some of the bloopers that he made. We don't have time to look at every part of Peter's story, but we know that he was one of Jesus' disciples. So that means he was one of the people that Jesus chose to do life with. And the encouraging thing is... These disciples were ordinary people like you and me. Let's have a quick look at Peter's background. He was raised in bilingual Galilee, so he probably spoke in Greek and Aramaic. He grew up in Bethsaida with his brother Andrew, and since he was Jewish, he would have received a normal elementary education. The Bible tells us that Peter was a married man and that his, his wife often accompanied him on his travels. The next chapter in Peter's story was when Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee and he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Before this encounter, though, Andrew had already heard John the Baptist call Jesus the Lamb of God. And Andrew had actually spent a day with Jesus listening to what he had to say. Andrew had also taken Peter to meet Jesus and told him that Jesus was the Messiah. So although they didn't have a full understanding of what that meant, it does help to explain why Peter and Andrew were so quick to follow Jesus because they had met him before. Jesus says, I will send you out to fish for people. As an experienced fisherman, fishing for people was a powerful image for Peter. He knew what it was like to have your nets filled with squirming fish. He also knew what it was like to have empty nets with a whole night's labour wasted with no reward. So Peter understood this figure of speech as it applied to fishing for fish and fishing for people. Let's continue Peter's story in Matthew 14. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to the disciples walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. 
Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now, never being one to think things through, Peter jumps out of the boat and starts walking on the water. He starts out focused on Jesus, but then he gets distracted by the weather. How often do we get distracted from things going on around us? Peter was fine when he was focused on Jesus, and that applies to us as well. But Peter's response to the weather caused him to doubt and become afraid. And we also start sinking when doubt in Jesus begins to surface. You know, I really like Peter, and I really wish I was more like him. Sure, he was sometimes like a bull in a china shop, but at least he was willing to have a go. I tend to be more anxious and cautious about things. And when we think about it, how many of us are willing to leave the security of our boats? Today, our boat might be our money, our possessions, our job, our friends, our family, or anything that makes us feel safe and comfortable instead of choosing to follow Jesus. Peter often spoke without thinking, but in Mark 8, we begin to see a different side to Peter. This is when Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Peter shows a God-given insight into the truth of who Jesus is. And this was because as he spent time listening to Jesus, his mind and spirit were open to what God wanted to show him. And this growing and maturing in Peter's faith is so good to see just as it is when our faith grows and matures. I don't know about you, but I sometimes feel like I take one step forward and two steps back in my discipleship journey. And we see this with Peter when we come to Mark 14, where we find Jesus and his disciples sharing the Lord's Supper, and then they go out onto the Mount of Olives. And there Jesus tells them, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Jesus is quoting here from Zechariah and referring now to himself as the shepherd and the sheep who will be scattered as the apostles. Then Jesus says, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. 
But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Mark goes on then to tell us about Jesus' arrest and trial where he's found guilty of blasphemy. And while this is taking place, we find Peter in the courtyard below. And one of the servant girls of the high priest comes by, looks closely at Peter and says, You also were with that Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said. She said again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Again he denied it. Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. The pressure and the fear was too much for Peter. And the message for us here that as, as we mix with those who don't know Jesus, we need to make sure that uh, we're strong enough in our faith and our character to withstand the confrontation of others. You know, I think it's easy for us to imagine that we would never deny Jesus. But then... We all want to be accepted and not rejected, don't we? So what happens when we're challenged by someone outside the faith? When it's time to take a stand amongst our friends or our family? And the thing is, you know, sometimes we deny Christ with our silence, with, with our lack of action. We deny Jesus just as Peter did whenever we put ourselves first instead of Jesus and what he wants. I wonder, have you ever thought that after Peter had denied Jesus, how hard it would have been for him to then watch Jesus suffer and die? He denied Jesus three times. And his betrayal must have plagued his mind and his heart over and over again. Have you experienced that as well? You know when um, you've let Jesus down in some way or, I don't know, you haven't spoken when you should or you haven't done something that you, you just know Jesus wanted you to do? I know I've experienced that. And, and you replay it over and over again in your mind and thinking about what you should have said and what you should have done. And there's a phrase in Luke 22 that really impacts me every time I read it. And it tells us that after Peter denied Jesus, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. When I read that and I know the times that I haven't spoken up for Jesus or I haven't done what I know he wanted me to do, you know, it's difficult to look Jesus in the eyes. 
So Peter and the other followers are hiding in utter defeat and despair. When Mary comes with the incredible story that not only is the tomb open, but Jesus' body is gone. Jesus has risen and Peter's beginning to become more aware of what Jesus has taught them and what God's kingdom is really about. But he had to wonder if he'd be any part of it after his denial of Jesus. And so we then we come to John 21, where we see Peter and some of the other disciples fishing when Jesus says to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to Peter, follow me. Peter had denied his Lord three times. So what does Jesus do? He reinstates Peter three times and sets him apart for a position of leadership and care of Jesus' followers. Jesus' three affirmations cancel out with forgiveness and grace Peter's three denials. This was a turning point for Peter and it's a turning point for us when we truly grasp Jesus' grace and forgiveness. We know we're not worthy. We can be just like Peter, passionate and faithful at times and yet so often battling our weaknesses and temptations. We then turn the page in Peter's story to Acts 2 and the time of Pentecost when Jesus' followers were filled with his Holy Spirit. Peter addresses the crowd with patterns and themes of the gospel message that become common in the early church. First, Peter explains that as the prophet Joel foretold, God is pouring out his spirit on all people. And we see in verse 36 Peter's final declaration. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, 
both Lord and Messiah. Just have a look at this transformed Peter. In Acts, we see him. He's leading and he's preaching with power and authority. He's shown that he has a strong, retentive mind for the things that Jesus has taught. Like every Jewish boy, he'd memorised great tracts of the Old Testament in the synagogue school. And these old words in Peter's new heart were alive with new significance. And as we invest in God's word, Jesus tells us his spirit will also guide us into all truth. As we spend time in prayer and in God's word, we continue to have a transforming experience of Jesus and the Bible's words really do become alive. This is what happened with Peter. In Acts 3, Peter, who was once overwhelmed by the challenge of those in the courtyard, responds to the religious leaders who question him about the healing of a cripple. And they ask him, by what power or name did you do this? Impulsive, outspoken Peter, always willing to have a go, tells them in plain and direct speech, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God has raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. The next part of Peter's story really changes the course of Christianity. Acts 10 tells us that Peter stayed at the house of Simon the Tanner in Joppa. This is significant as tanners were despised by many of the Jews because they treated the skin of dead animals, which were unclean according to Jewish law. And while Peter's there, God gives him a vision that confirms the groundwork Jesus had laid for setting aside these laws of clean and unclean food. As Peter then goes to the house of a Gentile named Cornelius, God shows him that the vision wasn't just about declaring invalid the distinction between clean and unclean meat. It was showing Peter that the barrier between the Jew and the Gentile had been removed. This was to have vast historic consequences as Peter opened the door to the Gentiles to receive Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. As we draw near to the end of the New Testament, it's good to meet Peter again, mature, experienced and a powerful writer. The passionate, impulsive words of Peter that once got him into all sorts of trouble are now used for God's purposes in 1 and 2 Peter. As we saw in our 1 Peter series, the power of Peter's words is heightened when we realise that he also would have suffered persecution along with those that he gave strength to in those difficult times. Peter addresses these Christian congregations as strangers, just as it's increasingly true today that we find ourselves alienated from our culture. But Peter assures them and us that we can rise above this rejection through our hope 
in our risen Saviour. We can hold on to the certainty that the Lord we love and serve is alive, that he is all-knowing, all-powerful and always with us. I find it so encouraging to see the transformation of Peter out of his relationship with Jesus and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And that was able to happen because Peter's heart stayed close to Jesus. At the sight of Jesus walking on the water, Peter asked to do the same. Even during his denial of Jesus, Peter was still close by when all the other disciples had fled. Remember at the lake, Jesus asked Peter three times, Do you love me? Jesus knew that for Peter and for us, it's, our, it's only our love and our faith in Jesus that will keep us strong and loyal to him. Oh yes, Peter had his weaknesses just like us. But do you know what I love about Peter? He was willing to step out and have a go. And Jesus is calling us to step out with faith in him and have a go at what he wants us to be and do. Now that may look very different in this time of COVID, but I encourage all of us to be praying and asking God to show us what it's going to look like for us to step out and have a go in this season. What can we do to support and encourage and connect with our church family? Instead of just going for a walk with a friend, how about asking God if there's someone uh, in the church family or even a neighbour that you could invite to go for a walk with you? Oh, look, I know we're all screened out. But when we have the opportunity to connect online, either on Friday night uh, youth or kids Zoom uh, every second Sunday, and that's on today as well, corporate prayer, ladies brunch or whatever it is, how about we think of how we can bless others by being present on those online meetings rather than thinking about whether it'll actually be a blessing for us or not. And parents, what an opportunity to speak this into your kids and to help them to see that coming along to youth and coming along to kids Zoom isn't just a great thing for them, but even if they don't feel like it, to encourage them of what a blessing it is to the leaders and the other kids that are there. We just heard earlier a wonderful example of how we can bless others as we listened to Joss and Yvonne uh, as they chatted earlier. Or how about sending a card or a text or an email or ringing someone and just saying, Hi, I've been thinking about you and wondering how you're going. It doesn't have to be big things. Just ask God and he'll show you. Let's be like Peter. Let's just step out and have a go at reaching out and connecting with our church family
and with our neighbours. You may have noticed that Jesus' first and last words to Peter were, follow me. And that's what Jesus wants from us as well. When many of Jesus' followers turned back and no longer followed him, Jesus asked his 12 disciples, you don't want to leave too, do you? And listen to Peter's response. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We know you are the Holy One of God. Church, whatever is going on in our lives, in our state, in our country, in our world, even in the midst of this terrible pandemic, we can look beyond, we can look beyond to our final victory in Christ. Because church, there is no one else to go to but Jesus. Please pray with me. Our Father God, how great you are and how powerful is your word and your spirit within us. Thank you for the example of Peter. Thank you that through him and others in the Bible, we find assurance and confidence in the fact that even though we're ordinary in and of ourselves, we can do extraordinary things as we live our lives for you because you are an extraordinary God. Please show us when and how you want us to be like Peter and to step out and have a go. How each one of us can connect with our church family and with those who don't yet know you. We love you, Lord. And together we pray these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.